was in uh, Moab, Utah, Tuesday through yesterday. And it seems like it was an awful long time ago since I've been in this text. I mean, I read every day, but it's like, how long ago was it? So is that a sign of age? It's, it's kind of like this morning when I decided to take a shower and I left my glasses on. <laughs> and you're like, oh, they, the wipers ain't working. <laughs> if you would, please turn to 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through chapter 12, verse 4. 11, 22 through 12, verse 4. If you would, please follow in the reading of the word of the Lord. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so, in far more labors, far more imprisonments, beaten times without numbers, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from the rivers and dangers from the robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in sea, dangers amongst false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and in thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, He who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the Ethriarch, under Eretus, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall so as to escape his hands. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. Father, help us to hear these words and understand the Apostle Paul, the heart that this man has. And Father, knowing that the Spirit changed this man's heart, Father, may we be eager to be changed into this. That, Father, this would be an overwhelming act on our part. But, Father, that we would understand the power comes from you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. We've been going through this and what it is in this context is Paul is comparing himself to the false apostles. This is the validation of a true apostle. And this is how you can tell. In our day and age today, I, I do not believe that there is a the office of apostle. In a generic sense that we are messengers, I believe that we all have that responsibility. But when I think about this text, the office of apostle, one, he has to be Jewish. Two, he has to be called by the resurrected Christ personally. Okay? All Christians are called 
to make disciples of all nations as we are going. All right. But the office of apostle that we're looking at, this is the apostle Paul. This would be on the line of the uh, 11 disciples. Matthias also was added. So 12. And then you add Paul to it. All right. Those guys were apostles. They were set aside for a task by the resurrected Christ. And they were all Jewish. All right. So as long as we understand that in our day and age today, how do I know a true teacher from a false teacher? How do I know that this individual has been sent by God for the task that is at hand? And there's a lot of people. Paul told Timothy that there will come a time when men will not hear sound doctrine. And they will heap to themselves teachers that tickle their ear. The key to that verse is they have the ability to heap up, which means there's a bunch of them. They're not hard to find. So when it comes to the false, they're easy to find. They're everywhere. They've always been there. So how is it that you and I today can identify if an individual is of God or of Satan? Okay. That's what we're going through. That's how this would tie you know, the, the credentials of a false apostle versus a true apostle, the credentials of a true teacher and the credentials of a false teacher. First of all, we looked in verses 23 through 27, the experience of suffering, the experience of suffering. The apostle Paul suffered for the sake of the gospel. Now, listen. I kind of touched on this last week. I want to reiterate this. All right. There are Christians who are suffering right now. And they brought it on themselves. That is not the sufferings of the Apostle Paul. Okay. We do things to bring on trials and tribulations. You didn't know that, did you? Okay. But it's, we can sometimes dig our own ditches. It's pretty impressive. Okay, and, and I don't know how many times in my years as a minister have I told them to put the shovel down. Okay, and I, and I try to get people to understand that. And, you know, they all say, oh, yeah, right, right. But you know what? I, I know what it means to suffer for Christ. I also know what it means to suffer because I'm Terry. Okay, and I know the difference. Okay, because there's things when you refuse to waver on the authority of Scripture, you will get into trouble. And I have over the years. Uh, I've been ostracized. I've been made fun of. I've been mocked. Uh, Not ain't nobody put me in jail for preaching yet. Okay. Okay. But, you know, that's why I try to tell everybody, they say, well, are you going to go through the tribulation? No, I know I'm not. Well, you don't believe you believe the church is you you're believing the rapture. Yes, I do. And they said, well, why? Why why shouldn't the church? Well, why shouldn't the church? Go through the suffering. Well, for one thing, I'm not going to shut up. Okay, I'll go up to the Antichrist house and. Hello? Okay, so I'm out of here. 
That's the thing that you need to understand. When you take a stand on absolute truth in a postmodern age, you're going to have your hands full. Okay, because the things that are being said out there right now will stun you. Okay, so when I think about suffering for Christ, it's not that self-inflicted stuff. All right. If you stand on truth, the fight will come to you. I have watched Christians who want to take the fight out. You don't have to. Okay, you don't have to. All right. So when I look at the Apostle Paul and he contrasts himself to the false, he says, I suffered for it. One of the things that you can know for sure, a false teacher or a false apostle will never suffer for the gospel. They will make it adapt to whatever situation that they are in. All right? The one I want to look at today is verses 28 and 29. The experience of sympathy. The experience of sympathy. If there's anything that is true about the false... Besides the fact they're in it for the money. All right. That's why they are. They will adapt. They will make their message fit for the money. All right. They are abusive. And what I mean by abusive is they use people and they never really lift a finger to help people. Paul contrasting himself to these false accusers is very concerned. Look what he says there in verse 28. Apart from such external things. What's the external things? What he's just listed out. That's the physical suffering. All right. There is the daily pressure on me of the concern of all of the churches. This is one of the things that sticks out to me probably more than anything in this day and age. Let me ask each and every one of you. Okay? Very personal question. What is your concern for the church? Your concern for the church. Let me phrase it this way. How important is the church to you? Okay, now look what the Apostle Paul just did. He gives you from 23 through 27 physical suffering, imprisonment, shipwrecks, beaten with rods, beaten with whips. And and trouble from the environment out among rivers, uh, shipwrecked, a day and a night in this deep. All of this stuff, and but yet he says, apart from such external things, apart from the things that afflict me, what is it? I have this concern for the church. Such other things. Okay? What he's saying here, what the statement says here, is that the Greek is things that are not mentioned. Okay, so what you need to think of is, all right, 23 through 27, there's more that he could describe about his physical suffering. There's more. But apart from that, 
He mentioned a lot of things. But he says, you know what, I could mention more. But apart from these things, I have this daily concern. So the issue isn't the externals. Now, you, please get a hold of this. Paul's writing this and he's saying, I want you to know that the issue is not the externals. Being beaten is not the issue. Being arrested is not the issue. Actually, if you look at it, he's saying it's the exception. But look at what we do today. What is it that bothers us the most? The externals or the internals? How do I know a false from a true servant of the Lord? Beyond what I just listed, Paul's telling us, and other things that I didn't even list, there is the daily concern for the church. I could have gone on longer about my physical sufferings. I could have given you more details in my persecutions. Beyond all of that, what I said and what I didn't say There is my concern for the body of Christ. Paul is telling us his heart. He had a pain in his soul for the church. That's a true servant of Christ. He pained when the church suffered. This man loved the church. I remember uh, Stephen Olford calling it a churchman. This is a churchman. And when he wrote the letter to the Galatians, if you read the letter to the Galatians, you can tell Paul is not really happy about the churches in Galatia. Okay? Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That doesn't, you know, you guys are so cool, you're so foolish. (laughs) No. But he does make a statement even to that area of churches that he had birth pains until Christ is fully formed in them. Those of us who have had children have been around our wives when they were in labor understand birth pains. We were totally blamed for them. When you, I think about the Apostle Paul and you just read his letters. He never ceased to pray. He never ceased to pray for the church in Philippi. He never ceased to pray for the church in Thessalonica. Or this church here in Corinth. Or Galatian. Galatia was actually like a, a county. And all the churches that were in that county as the letter was written. He was always asking daily in his prayers. Always praying for the Lord to strengthen the churches. To build the churches up. To give the churches discernment, he prayed. Give the churches wisdom, he prayed. Give the churches knowledge. Give the churches insight. Give them understanding. Make the church noble. Make the church desire and discerning. Make them 
excel. Make the church desire what is excellent. That's his daily concerns for the church. You know why? Because his heart was for those people. He was willing to be shipwrecked in a day and a night in the sea. He was willing to be beaten. He was willing to be incarcerated. He was willing to do all of that. But his text here says, apart from such external things, my concern for the church. How many people here have ever complained about the church? Anybody? But I want you to think about this for a second. Who had the right to complain about the church more than the Apostle Paul? Go to Philippians chapter 4, and I'll show you why the externals are not that big a deal. Philippians 4, beginning at verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. You ever thought about that? I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live with prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You know what he just said? The external suffering is the easy part. Think about us today. Can we say that? The external things are the easy parts. What about the pain of the soul when a saint walks away? When a saint bellyaches about the church? I've had people who wanted to complain to me about the church. And my first response has always been the same. Have you prayed for her? Why? I read Paul. That's all he did was pray for her. You know, it does take patience. Trust in the Lord. But the hard part, enduring suffering, is the pain of the church. I cannot tell you how many sleepless, whatever, months I've had over my concern for the body of Christ. Did you realize that right now, no time in the history of the church, ever in the history of the church, are more Christians losing their lives for the faith than right now? Never before has it been like it is right now. And yet, what do we complain about? Well, I think it's too cold. The lights ain't bright enough. The carpet's too dark. The curtains are too white. Think about it, though. Think about it. We've all complained about the church. What is her problem? This man here, the Apostle Paul, had a concern for these people. 
And you know what? That is the mark of a true apostle. It didn't really matter the externals. The internal things was the heartbreaking because his heart broke in his care for his people. And let's be realistic. Read 1 Corinthians. These guys are some serious knuckleheads. Read Galatians. What were they thinking? Okay? You've got to look at this because this is the difference between a true believer and a false believer. The Apostle Paul's heart, I I can't help but share this with you because uh, I taught this book years ago. And it's one of my favorite texts. First Thessalonians chapter two, verses seven and eight. You want to see what the Apostle Paul, I, I hear him get ridiculed a lot. But this is the picture of the Apostle Paul. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you have become very dear to us. Now, what a picture did the Apostle Paul just give you? Is there anything more gentle than a mother nursing her own child? How much care is there? And that's the way the Apostle Paul wanted the Thessalonians to understand how much he cared for them. Then you drop down there 17 to 20. But we, brethren, having been taken away for you for a short while, in person, not in spirit... We're all more eager with great desire to see your face. For I wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once. Yet, Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or our crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Now, wait a minute. I want you to look around the room. All right, just look around the room and ask yourself a simple question. Do these people bring me glory and joy? Now it's getting tough, isn't it? But when you start looking at the heart of a true servant of Christ, this is what they're going to do. This man had a true and honest heart of sympathy for his people. He loved them. His emotions were challenged to their limits because of the people. How many times does somebody hurt you and you're like, that's enough of that. Yet he wrote this church in Corinth four times. He didn't give up on them. Remember when he was depressed at what had happened when he heard that Corinth had bought into the lies? A door was opened for the gospel in Troas. What happened? 
He walked away from it. Why? His heart was for those people. He was so depressed that they had followed a lie that when a gospel door was open, he didn't go. He felt the pain and the weakness of the church. Grief, agonies over lost sheep, wayward sheep, herding sheep. He prayed over them. He wrote, he pleaded with them, he confronted them, he counseled them, he encourages them. And he had daily pressure to continue doing this. And that pressure never went away. Burdened by the moral decline, burdened by the spiritual waywardness, burdened by doctrinal error, burdened by the all of this daily among the believers. I don't have to look at the lost. Well, we need to battle for lost souls. We need to battle for the souls that have been given us. He was burdened. It literally applied pressure to the Apostle Paul. It was weary it was relentless assault. It assaulted all of Paul's peace and all of Paul's joy. His concern between immaturity and disobedience. Immaturity and disobedience. That's in the body of Christ. And it has to be there in Corinth or they wouldn't have followed the lie. The true has a passion and it consumed, he is consumed with the lives of the people. And you know what? He's consumed with all of them. With all of them. He wants to defend the church. That's why. Do you realize that's why he's writing these letters to Corinth? You read 1 Corinthians, you think, why waste the ink? What a bunch of idiots. I mean, I could just read it and say, man. Here's why. Verse 29. Chapter 11. Who is weak without my being weak? You know what? When I read that, the first thing I, I think of is you need to walk in my shoes. Okay, that's what he's saying. All right. The truth of the matter is, no, you need to walk in my skin. All right, because that is the suffering the Apostle Paul has. And the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthians and telling all believers that when you're weak, when you're hurting. I hurt. I hurt. You can back up just a little ways. First Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 26. If one member suffers, all the members suffer. Did you get that? I like that. That doesn't mean the pastor's in that alone. 
All members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's good stuff. That's the body of Christ. We are the family of God. On the other hand, the false don't care about the maturity of a believer. Actually, a false teacher would prefer that the believers stay immature, weak. They don't care about the people's struggles. They don't care about the people's temptations. They don't care about the people's trials. And they are not concerned about any of it. I have seen this. I see this in congregations. Who cares about a saint drifting off? It's a non-issue. Where did they go? Why did they go? It's not that big a deal. Self is their only care. It's selfishness. It is pride. And they will exploit the weakness of people. Why? They're in pursuit of wealth. And they're in pursuit of power. And if I can keep people weak, then I can exceed in both. That's how you can tell a false teacher from a true teacher. They devour widows' houses. They consume the weak and they use people. They want to make themselves rich. They want to make themselves powerful. They are abusive. They are self-centered. They exploit people. And the Apostle Paul is using this phrase right here to say, I'm 180 degrees opposite of this. When you're weak, I feel your pain. When you're burdened, I feel your burden. When you struggle, I feel your struggle. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Your weakness does not work To my advantage. Yet false teachers use the weakness to their advantage. Actually, the Apostle Paul says, Your weakness is my disadvantage. Your weakness works to the advantage of the false teachers. And I know you're weak, or you wouldn't have followed them. False teachers like nothing better than to move the church of weak people and to exploit them. That's what they do. A true moves into a group of weak and it becomes the greatest burden of his heart to strengthen them. Their weakness did not work to Paul's advantage. The weakness to Paul was a great pain to the apostle. When I look around now at churches, I watch men consistently take advantage of the weak. Making them great promises. But they have no concern for the struggles of their life. They have no concern for false doctrine in their life. They have no concern. None whatsoever. Why? Well, if you stay weak, I can keep exploiting you in the name of helping you. I will help you. How much money do you have? And you don't have to have a lot. 
Think about it. All these people who are shut-ins now and watch these yahoos on TV, they're not coming. They're going after a social security check. They're not getting a lot. Anytime that someone was stumbling the weak, it saddened him. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14 says, We all, we all, we all are to strengthen the weak. Paul was mad at those who caused the fall of the weak. Verse 29 again, let me show you this. Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Now I want you to think about this for a second. All right. That verb there, intense concern, it's one word in the Greek. Poor oh my. Poor oh my. It's a verb. You know what it means in the Greek? Set on fire. Set on fire. Poor am I. Who is led into sin without me being set on fire? To inflame the Apostle Paul. When you lead one of God's people into sin, Paul was inflamed. Matthew chapter 18 Verse 6, Jesus said, you cause one of these children to stumble, I'll put you out. (laughs) I'm going to put a millstone around your neck and chuck you in the Mediterranean. In Paul's case, it made him mad. It made him hot. Careful how you treat God's people. Paul's was furious, was inflamed that those leading these weak into sin and they were inflaming him more, setting him on fire. This is what true righteous indignation is. We want to use it all the time. But I just showed you the definition of it. When you cause a weak saint to stumble... You get, well, you better be hot about it. And that's righteous indignation. Holy indignation to any who would lead Paul's people into sin. To turn them away from Paul as their teacher. Kind of. Got under his saddle. Caused them to turn from the church. To cause them to turn from truth. Linsky said this, I quote, Love is not the enemy of moral indignation. It is the partner of it. Unquote. Okay, what he's talking about. When you come alongside a saint... Who is in sin. Okay. And you express to them. This is sin. What's normally the response? Judge not lest you be judged. No. Duck. (laughs) 
Okay, I remember one time a young man called me and said that his wife had left mad and he didn't know where she was and he was all distraught about it. And I said, all right, I'll go find her. And so uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I went downtown and sure enough, their van was out in front of a bar. So I park and I go into the bar and I'm looking around and see this young lady. She has her back to me. And all, of course, all the men are very friendly. It's amazing. They just want to take care of her. And uh, so I just walk up behind her and I tap her on the shoulder. She turns around and I didn't have to say a word. Kind of impressive, actually. I was like, wow, I didn't know anybody could get that pale that fast. And I said, I think you should go home. How about I escort you home? And uh, she did. Of course, the guys were a little ticked off, but... They got over it. Why? No. No. That's a weak one. It's a frail little sheep. And you go get it. You go get it. We get angry at false teachers pulling people away. Teaching them lies that destroy people's confidence in the church. I've got three issues right now, four issues right now of people who have been drug away from here by lies. Okay? And yeah, I'm a little hot under the collar about it. And when the appropriate time shows up, I'm going to deal with it. Okay? They take... Take them from shepherds who love them, who care for them. When I confront it, I am called always the same thing. Unloving. I'm unloving. I've got to be the most unloving guy on the planet. Because it's the opposite of truth. And we should have an indignation towards those leading into sin. And when I show them that they're being led into sin, that is the greatest showing of love that you can give. Listen, the false have no sympathy for the weak. None whatsoever. Have no care for the weak. They exploit it for themselves. Second Peter chapter 2. He even states it in their greed, Peter says. In their greed, they exploit you with false words. Paul says he's on fire. He's inflamed about these false apostles. These false apostles who are leading you into sin. Listen, that's proof of a true apostle. A true servant of Jesus Christ. Can be known, one, for his suffering, two, for his sympathy. That is a mark of God's man. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the the life of the Apostle Paul and uh, how he can go through all of these hardships. And yet, it's not that big a deal. His daily concern for the churches is more important. Father, I pray for each and every one of us.
that, Lord, that we would have an intense concern of those led into sin. And Father, we would understand that who is weak without us being weak. Father, may our love for the body of Christ grow, each and every one of us, even though she has so many faults. Father, help us. Help us to love as Paul loved. Help us to embrace the bride of Christ as Paul had a passion for her. May it become important to each and every one of us. To your glory and praise. In Christ's name. Amen.